So the big news yesterday afternoon, as you remember, was the end of the Renewable Energy Project's moratorium in the province of Alberta, set to expire at the end of the month. Um, and everybody wondering, okay, what does it mean? Because you know what? It's not nothing in this province. It's a pretty big deal. In fact, in 2022, um, 75% of all new wind and solar energy projects in the entire country were being built in Alberta. It was a big, big deal. And the premier said so yesterday during her announcement, said, you know what? We're we're leaders in this country. We're we're at the forefront, and we want to make sure that we are still that after we bring in the changes. Now, whether or not that will help or hurt will remains to be seen. But um, some big, big changes, big changes. The government changing the landscape, literally the landscape, uh, to a point where I don't know what it's going to look like. This is what the premier had to say in part. Albertans have been vocal that they don't want large scale developments to interfere with our province's most beautiful natural features. You cannot build wind turbines the size of the Calgary Tower in front of a UNESCO World Heritage Site or on Nose Hill or in your neighbor's backyard. Yeah, okay. Are, are, are there wind turbines the size of the Calgary Tower? I'm not sure. There, there, there may well be. I've never seen any. I'd be interested to see if there are some being built that way. Um, so, so what's changed? 35-kilometer buffer zones around protected areas in something called pristine viewscapes, okay? Uh, and those will be designated by the province. And basically, large chunks of the province are now no-go zones because of that. Um, agriculture first posture. This was a big part of the reason the moratorium came in. We want to make sure that we're not wasting prime agricultural land. I shouldn't say wasting. Losing prime agricultural land when it could be better serving Albertans through agriculture. So now, you cannot do that. You cannot put wind and solar projects on prime agricultural land. Class 1 and 2, I think they call it unless you can somehow guarantee that uh, livestock and crops can coexist with whatever the renewable energy installation might be um, new rules around the approval process too including a provision that now allows the municipalities to be involved in these negotiations there's some pretty big rules around reclamation how's that going to work basically anybody who wants to develop one of these projects has to have money up front you know, in some form of a surety, a bond, whatever, saying that once we're done, you know, the money is there in order to clean up. And if you saw what happened with oil and gas installations in our province just yesterday, uh, you know why this is an important consideration. So at the end of the day, what does it mean for industry? Where are they? Um, and that investment, the 75% of projects that were happening uh, in Alberta, based on the whole country, will they still go there? The minister yesterday, Nathan Newdorf, actually said, you know what, I mean, there's a possibility that they're going to look elsewhere as rules change because in some places you just you just can't do it anymore so uh let's find out how they're feeling about things we're going to have a conversation with peter casarella the executive director of the southgate regional initiative that is an economic development alliance that represents 30 municipalities in south central alberta peter thank you so much for being here i, I really appreciate your time yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, an interesting conversation and a good time to talk about it. Yeah, no question about it. Give me a little more information about your group and, and how it relates to this particular situation and this issue that's going on. Tell us about the Southgate Regional Initiative. Right. So I work for uh, South Grow Regional uh, Initiative. It's one of nine regional economic development alliances in the province of Alberta. 
So I work directly for 30 municipalities across southern Alberta. And we're in a partnership that has been working to attract investment in renewable, uh, invest in, sorry, it's been working to attract investment in the renewable energy space since the early 2000s. And it's arguably been one of the most successful things that we've ever done because there has been billions of dollars yeah. of investment that have come into our communities. And if you've seen some of the infographics out there online from the Business Renewable Center, um, the tax revenue coming off of these projects accounts for a significant portion of municipal revenues in some of our southern counties. It's been big business. Yeah. Yeah. We had them on the air earlier this week that sort of did a breakdown at how much is at risk here? Potentially, right? I mean, not saying that all those projects would go ahead, but if they did, uh, we're talking about, like you say, it's billions and billions of dollars that comes back to the municipalities. It is, but it's a it's a very complex issue, and mm-hmm. I would encourage all your listeners to think that this isn't just about right versus left. It's not just about politicizing the energy market here. Um we have been in a legitimate gold rush situation in the renewable energy space for a long time, and our municipalities have made bank off of that, and they will continue to get more investments in the future. But policy has gotten increasingly further behind the realities on the ground. There have been legitimate uh, abuses of the goodwill of some of our municipalities, and there have been policy problems that have crept in that needed to be fixed. Our group pivoted a few years ago now to talking to the government of Alberta saying, hey, listen, this investment is amazing. We'd love to keep the energy going. We need to fix some of these policy problems or things are going to break down. There are things that have to be addressed if we want to continue to land investment responsibly and continue to uh, keep building projects in a sustainable fashion. Was that target hit yesterday? Give us your assessment of what was announced by the province when it comes to land use and reclamation and, and all the rest of it. Did they, did they find the right tone? Did, are we in a better place? We're in a better place. There's a lot more um, certainty that we need. If you've heard from some of the other stakeholders in this space, basically saying we need more information so that investors know what kind of environment they're dealing with. Yes, we need that information. We need the details on what the specific costs are going to be, how the mechanisms are going to work, what having our municipalities at the table with the AUC actually means, what our involvement actually means there, so that people can actually unpack these things. And presumably, that information will be coming. Um, there was some good stuff. Uh, the upshot here, basically, the land use issue, yeah. restricting things to class, uh, you know, away from class one and two. I'm not sure that a full restriction was needed, but there was. Uh, we we thought that a price signaling mechanism was coming, whereby if you wanted to put a, like a solar project on high value agricultural land, there was going to be a cost to that to basically discourage sure. people yeah. and incentivize them to move a little yeah, bit further, make it more attractive to go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, the reality of why those projects have been going on that land is because it's closest to where transmission is built out. Therefore, it's cheaper for the project to get built. And it is a complex issue that runs straight smack into the middle of private property rights. If I'm a farmer and I own six quarter sections and I just can't really make a go of it, my family doesn't really want to take over the farm, I've got the, uh, I've got the option to sell my land to another farmer and somebody else benefits from it, or I can diversify my interests right. and have and host some solar right on my land, right? Uh, so it's a complex issue. But at the same time, these projects are taking over massive quarter sections and we're running into the area where it's not just some oil derrick the corner of the field someplace it genuinely has an impact on the community around it and the community needs to have a say in these kind of situations um the viewscape span 
for wind specifically because it applies to wind. I'm not sure that was needed. And you're going to find a lot of disagreement in rural Alberta as to whether it was needed or not. I I know people who live directly under wind projects and they have no problem with it. And I have other people who um, it it destroys their soul and they don't want to see, you know, the windmills out there in the pristine landscape. In my personal opinion, that direction probably should have been to keep assessing projects on a one-off basis. There's an awful lot of places that are within that 35-kilometer radius from a protected area where, you know what, the people there might not have a problem with it. But in another area, like down at Waterton Gate or something, the majority of people might be like, no, we we need to preserve this pristine landscape because it's part of our our global tourism draw, etc. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you take a look at that map, Peter, in terms of that 35-kilometer buffer zone and how it sort of impacts this area, that area, this area large chunks of southern Alberta, which just happens to be the windiest part of the province, they're off limits now. Like, I mean, huge, the majority of, you know, south and southwestern Alberta will not, you will not be able to have wind installations. Yeah, and I really hope that one gets revisited because wind is actually less impactful to agricultural land than solar, for for example, is. Um, You know, uh, we've got situations right now across southern Alberta where wind is dotted across very productive, uh, highly productive farmland. And the farmers are able to diversify their income, basically doing what farmers have done for decades by mm-hmm. hosting an, an oil derrick in their farm and getting paid royalties on that, where they've got a wind installation instead that takes up, you know, a similar amount of landscape, about an acre of land. Um, the beefed up reclamation policies, that was absolutely 100% needed. Yes. And I'm very happy to see the province getting serious about this. We've been asking actually for third party bonding. We were asking for more than they actually gave. Uh, we've seen with the oil industry that there's an awful lot of ways that companies are able to sneak through the corporate landscape of Canada in order to shirk their responsibilities and get away without having to pay for it. And the, the liability gets dumped on the taxpayer. That needed to be fixed. And I think there's a bit more work needed to be done in that, but it's very good to see them going in the right direction. Um, just because somebody's putting up a solar farm rather than an oil derrick doesn't mean that yeah. they are a better person. Yeah. And that they're, you know, but there, I should make it clear that there's a lot of very good players out there who just want to do right by people as well. Um, and that's across, you know, I'm not trying yeah. to... And they'll work within the system. The they, the negative yeah. rush. they won't have an, have an issue with that. What about the fact that municipalities now have a seat at the table? I know that was a big issue that they really, really wanted to be involved in the approval process. Yeah, yeah, because these projects, as I mentioned, are taking up so much extra land, and we've seen so many abuses coming from legacy oil and gas as far as the abandonment of responsibilities. It's been important to have the municipal perspective at the table. Um, Municipal councillors are in a really tough position on this, and being able to give them more decision-making tools is important because your municipal councillors in in rural Alberta, they want to respect people's private land rights. You know, if you own your own land, you should have should be able to do what you want to do on your own land. But at the same time, they have responsibility to the entire community that's seeing vast sections of land being pulled out of circulation for a generation from agricultural use. And we're not entirely sure what the impacts of that. But at the same time, these things also pay huge amounts of money, which are really, really, really helping our rural municipalities stay afloat as we're seeing a decrease in uh, you know tax transfers down from the provincial government. Um, it's not an easy issue. And... It's, it's, it hasn't been solved by this, and there's going to be a lot more discussion to come. I, we need to see more details on what that AUC inclusion process looks like, but this is a step in the right direction. And 
People often worry in industry that municipalities having a say on projects will mean that they'll just shut them out. And that's not the case. There's an awful lot of municipalities out there who understand the value and they understand the taxation impact and what they can do with those revenues. And they're willing to play ball. And if a certain county says, no, you know what, we're done. We have enough renewable energy. We're going to stop. Then the uh, the private business people who want to build projects, there's other places they can go. And they can call me and my friends to find out exactly where they can go <laughs> and to get the right introductions to those people who can accommodate them. So, Peter, at the end of the day here, this was, uh, you know, the six-month moratorium. We're going to get our ducks in a row, and we're going to make sure that we have a framework that works for everybody. And everybody's saying, yeah, but the industry's up, and they, they're going to go somewhere else because they don't know what's going to happen. H- has that uncertainty been removed? Because I know one thing about business and very little else. It hates uncertainty. It needs certainty. It needs to know what the playing field looks like. Do we have that now? And will it, will, you know, some of that investment that we all say was sort of up in the air, will it stick around or will this chase it away? Some of it's going to stick around. Um, People need to understand that we have been in a gold rush situation. This has been unprecedented. There have been many tens of billions of dollars of investment wanting to be dumped into this industry in Alberta, way more than we can accommodate. That's a very good position to be in. If half of that investment packed up and left, we'd still have a lot of projects that want to move ahead and have a path forward in the province of Alberta, likely still more than we can actually plug into the grid within reasonable timeframes and accommodate. There's a lot of investment that we can still bring in and that our municipalities can still pull taxation benefits off of, and that can still help us get us to our net zero goals here in Alberta. There is going to be investment flight because once again, gold rush scenario. Mm-hmm. I think that the uh, the immediate impact that's going to happen is that a lot of the mid-sized players who've been gobbling up ready capacity across the province with smaller projects, things like 20, 30 megawatts, those projects are going to get etched out. There's not as much opportunity as there used to be for them. The the finances on those projects aren't as um, flexible. They have tighter margins um, because they're not producing energy yet as big of economies of scale, that kind of thing. And I think you'll see a lot of those projects uh, decide, yeah, this isn't the landscape for us anymore. We've missed our opportunity and they'll have to go someplace else. I think you'll see very large projects still wanting to be built in Alberta. The kind of projects that are even bigger than places like the Traverse Solar project that's like 450 megawatts in Vulcan County. Um, Because they have to go further out onto the periphery where the land isn't as good, they're further removed from, you know, uh, population centers, and and they have to build out transmission in order to make it work. So you have to go bigger in order to make the project finances work on that. Um, Yeah, and we need more clarification on what things are going to be like. Like this, this announcement just came out. We need to start seeing what the legislation and the regulations are going to look like. And I think industry also needs some clarification around what's happening with the, uh, with carbon taxes. That's not something that um, Alberta completely controls by themselves. Um, It's a major cost consideration when you're looking to build one of these projects. There's uncertainty for sure. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see where it goes. And as you say, we're still early in this. Uh, Peter, unfortunately, I'm out of time, but thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate it.